I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. It's a podcast about workplace culture, psychology, and life. Hello, I'm Bruce Daisley. I just recorded all of this and I wasn't using my microphone. So there you go. So it should be, therefore, much more lucid than it was before. Today's episode is a reflection of some of the stuff that we've been talking about on the newsletter over the last few months. One of the things that really struck me as we came to the summer, before the summer, was that we were going to have the moment where firms were debating being more restrictive and demanding a greater return to the office. And we're most definitely starting to witness it. I've had a couple of radio stations contact me saying, can you talk to us about how firms are demanding more workers come into the office? So we're definitely witnessing it. And I think my response is always that we're in a moment right now where maybe the ingredients that used to be the component of workplace culture before, we are going to be challenged if we think we're going to do them and, and achieve the same results. So the idea that somehow you can create a dynamic, energised workplace culture by summoning workers into the office five days a week possibly is mistaken. But maybe there's a trade-off to be had where you say, OK, we want you in the office, but we'll get you to work fewer days. Or we want you in the office on certain times. And so I'm going to go into a couple of these experiments today and, and give you a perspective of what some firms are doing. One is going to be a, a business idea that I talk about all the time, which is Wednesday plus one. And we're going to go into that. John uh, Sill is going to talk about how his organisation has gone to this idea that everyone's in the office one day a week. It's got this glorious network effect that if you, in the old days, loved the serendipity of bumping into someone or rather sort of having a quick conversation with someone rather than necessarily scheduling a meeting, then Wednesday plus one is suited to that. And it's it's interesting. John also talks about how effectively they've recognised that their office is being unused a lot of the time. So they've given access to it to their clients and effectively it's become the, the members club that their clients can use when they're in town. Really interesting. Really interesting debate about space that I think to some extent we're not witnessing elsewhere. Then we're going to chat to John Reedman. John Reedman is the founder of a business called Modo 25. It's got purpose and, and charitable donation right at the heart, right at the name of the organisation. And you're going to hear some of the details on that. Um, so look, you know, first thing I want to call out is I often try and avoid speaking to chief execs. The 
the testimony that they sometimes give is often a little bit too PRE. So uh, firstly, sort of cautionary note on that and featuring them does not in any way represent endorsement. I'm always interested in chatting to other firms. Here's what I'd say to you. Don't offer me your chief exec. Um, you know, often I have really articulate, intelligent, fascinating people contacting me saying, oh, great. Thanks. Great conversation. I'd love to get you my chief executing. No, that's where you lost me. I'll happily chat to the person who is being the ambassador, but I don't want some PR chief exec rolled out to me. So, you know, just something to flag there. But my whole intention here is let's try and pick the brains of people who are experimenting and, and doing different things. So you're going to hear two things today, one about Wednesday plus one, one about the four day week. And I think it's fair to say, you know, there are some pitfalls along the way. It sounds to me like there are some things that maybe um, it's worth it, you sort of scratch beneath the surface. No, no doubt, especially on the four day week where, OK, you hear some of the ways that this has gone from being a lovely, optimistic conception into the realities of managing individuals. So I think a really interesting discussion there. Um, it's also worth calling out that both of these businesses are vaguely founder created adjacent to the marketing space. And, you know, that might be because founders are able to make quicker decisions and, and able to adapt their businesses in a more agile way, but it's it's worth calling out. So um, I, th- I hope you're going to find this discussion as helpful as I had it. Let's jump in with the first discussion. Uh, I'm going to chat now to John Sill. He's the founder of The Foundation, a link in the bio. And that's a customer-led organisation that helps firms become gu- guided by their customers. John, thank you so much for joining me. You've sort of lived very much in my thoughts um, for a long time because I always reference the experiment that you started and the, the way you did it. So I wonder if a good way to kick off would be if you just introduced who you are and what you do. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, really nice to talk to you, Bruce. I'm John Sills. I'm a managing partner at an organisation called The Foundation. We're an independent customer-led consultancy in London, and we help organisations of all shapes and sizes uh, on to become more customer-led, to improve their customer experience, to innovate. Um, and so we work, yeah, all around the country, which means we're uh, often in different places. But over COVID, of course, we were doing everything from home like so many organisations were, but normally based in King's Cross. So so the reason why I've said you sort of live in my thoughts is because this idea that you propagated, and it was probably a long time ago now, of Wednesday plus one um, has... Whenever I'm I'm in an organisation, they say, "But what does enlightened use of the office look like?" I always yeah. say, "I love Wednesday plus one." So, do, do I just talk through what is Wednesday plus one if it needs any explanation and how you how you hit upon it? Yeah, more, more than happy to. So, I think like like a lot of organisations, when uh, we started to come back from COVID, we were really keen to retain the flexibility you know, and the work-life balance that the team had developed. And that was quite selfish as well. You know, I'm a a dad of two. The other partners are uh, all kind of parents as well. And we'd really enjoyed having that extra time. But also we really appreciated the time together as a team. And we could see how particularly our creative work was maybe struggling a bit more when we were working remotely and when we were trying to do workshops on on Miro. So the team had kind of uh, broadly had this agreement and this thought that we wanted to try and get back into the office a little bit. We didn't want to be fully remote. But the problem we were finding was that it wasn't quite happening. So on a Monday, everyone would sit down and say, right, when are you going to be in this week? 
and people would kind of choose when they were coming in dependent on when they thought other people might come in and then people might then decide not to come in and you'd have this kind of domino effect of someone saying actually I'm not going to come in today and then gradually uh, you know people would end up being the only person in the office so what we realized was and we, we did this through just talking it out with the whole team we needed this kind of structured flexibility approach we needed a bit of structure that gave people a bit of certainty and a bit of confidence uh, about when they were going to be in and when other people were going to be in, but retaining that flexibility for people to still choose. And so we struck on this idea of Wednesday plus one. So the idea was everyone in the team comes in on a Wednesday. So the whole team's in, the whole organisation's in, um, and we would do some social activities then. So we'd buy everyone a free lunch. So that's a great way to encourage people to come in. We do our evenings out would always be on a, on a Wednesday. And then the plus one would be either the Tuesday or the Thursday. So you knew then the team had a bit of certainty that everyone was going to be in on the Wednesday and most people would be in on the Tuesday or the Thursday. And it gave us this kind of uh, real kind of energy around the middle of the week. And we'd all knew that we were going to work remotely Mondays and Fridays when we could do more of the more of the functional tasks. And happy to go into more detail on, on any of that, but that was the core principle. You said something along the way there, which I think is intriguing. You said that creative work was one of the reasons why you wanted to be together. I wonder if you could just give me a perspective of how creative work might have suffered and how maybe Wednesday Plus One has benefited yeah, yeah, I think there's two there's two big things with that, Bruce. So one is one is that that principle, that Stephen Johnson principle of getting more parts on the table. You know, having broader perspectives and that kind of serendipity that comes in creativity when you're overhearing conversations. And what we found was for our team, when we're in the office, that happens quite naturally. We have a lot of time together. We call them cave times. And that's when we all get together and discuss what the big uh, problems are that we're working on for our clients. And just through that nature of having that broad conversation and hearing what people are saying, that just flows much more naturally in person than the more functional you speak, then I speak, then I speak on Zoom. And the second part of that was just actually around idea creation. So we run a lot of innovation workshops, a lot of ideation workshops. And when we're doing those in person, we do them at a very high pace, high intensity. We get people talking quite a lot, sharing their ideas. Um, And particularly, we find that so many of the really good ideas come during the break times and the lunch times when people go away from the idea session, have a coffee, sit down, reflect on what they've heard, have a bit of a chat. And by the time they come back from the break, they've got some really good ideas they're scribbling down. But what happens remotely is you say to everyone, right, you're going to have a break. And everyone just turns off their camera and opens their email and immediately kind of switch off that processing part of the brain that helps with creative thinking. But also you lose those little side conversations that are often the key to developing really creative ideas. So now everyone being in together means that we can do all of our creative work in that middle part of the week um, and leave some of the more functional stuff to the to the back end of the week. Do you think it's going to change your relationship with with space? Because obviously you're, you've got built-in redundancy there of, you know, the, the majority office isn't used for majority of the week. Will you, will you rethink how you use space going forwards? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something that's really prevalent on our minds at the moment. Um, what we've found since we've done Wednesday Plus One is more often than not, most people are now doing their Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. And of course, part of our job is that we, uh, we're dependent on where our clients want it at different times as well. So that's where that flexibility comes in. But the core office, as you say, is really used for that three days in the, in the middle of the week. Now, we've tried to do a couple of things with that. So one, we're starting to think about how we actually shape that office because 
quite a lot of the work we're still doing on a Wednesday might be on Zoom. So we need more space, as you'd expect, for video calls. But we're starting to open up our office for our clients now. So we've we've built something called our customer pioneer community. We've invited about three, four hundred of our individual clients so the people in the organizations we work with to be part of that. And one of the, the benefits of that is they get to use our office space whenever they like. So we're starting to see more of our clients use our office as a hub in the middle of London for them to run, get their teams together and run their own workshops or just hot desk, frankly, um, because sometimes they might be going to the office and not many people are around. So through that, we're starting to see our, our office be used as a, almost a bit of a co-working space for our clients. And that really helps the value of the office for us and using it on the, on the days where maybe it's slightly less, uh, less otherwise inhabited. That's interesting. What, so, so especially on Fridays and Mondays, you might say, look, if you want to use this, this is available to you. Yeah, that, that's right. But we do it during the week as well. So Fridays and Mondays are the days when people, our clients are more likely to be able to have our big meeting rooms and workshop spaces. But actually, we love them being in there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays as well, because even on a Wednesday or a Tuesday, we're still unlikely to all be in the office at exactly the same time because we're starting to go off to client meetings as well. So we've always got spare desks. We've got a big kitchen table that we open up for our clients and we love having our clients in the office with us because then we can just have interesting conversations with them get different perspectives um, and they find it really valuable as well because they start to meet other clients as well and start to be able to get that again that cross-pollination of ideas so that's become a really important thing for us as well as allowing charities like young enterprise that support uh, young people with innovation they can come in and use our office for free as well and that really helps create a bit of a buzz to the to the the, the situation how will you know that this is working how will you know that this way of using the office is working have you considered other options have you considered going fully remote what else have you looked at yeah yeah we have we've probably considered i think during covid we've probably considered every option uh given the um you know the impact on revenues and then looking at the cost of the office I think I think there's two things for us. The, the primary one is is how happy the team are, um, and and therefore how kind of how productive the team are. But in a kind of they're enjoying their job and coming up with great thinking, um, and we can already see that anecdotally. We're very open with our team. We have very open conversations about how they're feeling. They're very good at challenging us as a leadership team, and we can already see that that team's starting to really kind of redevelop almost rebond together and their work and the creative work is starting to come as well there's obviously a, a knock-on effect in terms of actually is it improving our work to the level that clients are wanting to do more work with us and our, re- our reputations building and we're starting to see that as well i think on a on a cost basis it's interesting we have been looking at co-working spaces and looking at those office spaces and actually what we found that although on the surface they save you money I think for us we would lose a lot of the extra benefit we get from the office there's something about how we decorate our own space you know which is really important to us there's something about controlling the the, the whole experience the entrance that our clients have when they come in to see us and being able to sublet effectively kind of our our office space to our clients we don't charge them for it but allowing them to kind of come and have that space as well so I think for us if our colleagues are really happy we're doing good work and our clients seem to enjoy coming in then that will be the that that's the kind of main indicators if things get really tight financially we'd always have to reconsider it but at the moment the team seem really happy have you seen things from other firms that you've thought okay that seems like a, a good 
adaptation or, you know, I look at the Wednesday plus one and I think oh, that's impressive. Is there anything that you've seen that you've thought, oh, you know, we can learn from that? Yes, I mean, I think I think um, there's a couple of organisations we know where they're kind of partnering with two or three other organisations of similar sizes, and that's not kind of rocket science necessarily, but I think that shows quite a lot of forward thinking away from just this is our our property and our uh, office and our way of working in our business just to be really open we'll say look if you've got two or three different businesses that are maybe similar shapes and sizes maybe working in similar areas but not direct competitors then why wouldn't you start to share that space why wouldn't mm. you start to um you know uh, share your cost but also it's again a great way of getting in different perspectives and kind of building the team so that's something we looked at as well and i think we'd still consider in the future um you know for us being independent is really important to us but yeah collecting together two or three other companies like ours that share our ethos that might share that space i think it's a really interesting a really interesting way of doing it you mentioned along the way that even though it's wednesday plus one a lot of people are coming in tuesday wednesday thursday is that right are are people coming in for three days rather than the two that you, you you intended yeah, that's right. I mean, and I guess for us, that's a, a sign that um, it's working, actually, to your to your question right. before about measure of success. You know, we've never wanted to force people into the office. Again, I want to do three days and that's it because I've got my family at home. But, yeah, we're naturally starting to see more people come in on a Tuesday and a Thursday. So they're kind of doing both days either side of the Wednesday because they're really enjoying being together. We've now really set it so all of our creative work is done on those days. Um, I think the other thing that, Bruce, is what we do on the Monday and the Friday, though, as well. So the Monday morning, we always start the week in the same way. We have what we call a breakfast club quiz. So everyone gets together on Zoom at 9.30 and we all uh, we do like a pub quiz, but we all ask a question that's based on what we did at the weekend. And that becomes kind of quite competitive and ferocious, but it's a great fun start to the week and then work through our projects for the week. And we always end the week on a Friday with something called Five at Five. And that used to be in the office, everyone having a drink together at five o'clock. And that's now morphed into everyone dives on Zoom for half hour on a Friday and just kind of talks about what was great about the week, what's been a bit of a disaster, what they're doing for the weekend. So we have these quite nice bookends to the start and the end of the week that makes Monday and Friday work really well remotely as well as being in the office. And I think that's important that you need to put in as much effort to make the remote days work really well as you need to effort to put in to make the office days work really well. I think a lot of companies maybe are focusing on making the office really good and then just forgetting about the remote days, but you still want those to be really good, fun, effective days for your team. The the only other thing would be about learning. The rate of learning for people since we've been going back in the office in the team is, is exponentially increased from over COVID. We had a couple of new people join us during COVID and I think they just found it incredibly difficult to to really pick up and learn at the same kind of pace for the kind of work we do which is a bit more uh, you know strategic and you know you need a bit of time where you're just sitting in a sitting in a room trying to work out the answer than perhaps finding very functional tasks and particularly we found the kind of work we do and I think a lot of consultancy relies on just being in a room with other people seeing the kind of questions they ask seeing how people are kind of carrying themselves during the day and then asking loads of stupid questions all the way through the day that's really difficult to do if you're working remotely you know if you've got 10 questions an hour you feel like you're bugging someone uh, and it's very hard to really kind of piece together people's thinking so the people that have joined uh, that are now back in the office their rate of learning has has been far greater 
now they're kind of in that environment can overhear what people are saying how people are thinking can ask questions um than it than it ever was in covid and that's been a huge difference that we've seen and another reason why we're, we're really keen to get that balance of, of remote and in home did you think it would work were you an optimist about all of this did you think sort of remote working would work in this way it's a great question um so i've always i've always worked at home for at least one day a week for about have you okay years um so i was i was confident that if you get the right balance of the tasks that you're doing uh and you allow flexibility for people to work in the way they want to work then it really could work uh because i think you know that there is everyone works in a different way and, and you have to have that flexibility built in i think with wednesday plus one i think we were we were confident that that Wednesday would become a big hit. I mean, I think, you know, getting everyone a free delivery lunch on a Wednesday always helps, but I think we were confident that would work. What we didn't know was, you know, over time, would that mean people wanted to come in the office more or would we end up with just everyone in on, on a Wednesday? Um, and like everyone during COVID, it was just one big experiment, wasn't it? Trying to work out what's going to work. And the situation was changing all the time. So it's almost less, was it going to work? So you didn't really know what the world was going to look like in, in six months, but I think we had a strong theory behind why we wanted to do it. And more than anything, we'd had loads of strong conversations with the team beforehand to work out what really mattered to them. And I think that gave us a sure footing that this was along the lines of what they were hoping to do and how it would fit with their work-life balance. So it's certainly working at the moment and let's see in another year. But at the moment, I would say this is probably where we'll be for the foreseeable future now. Um, and couldn't see any reason why it would change. Like it. Good. Thank you so much. Lovely to chat to you, John. Yeah, great. Thanks, Bruce. Really enjoyed that. Thank you to John number one. We're going to dive straight into the discussion with John number two now. John Reedman is the boss of Modo 25 and Ask Bosco, which is their other organisation. You'll hear him describe what they do. They're related to marketing and, and generating new business for customers. And I think John is pretty candid about some of the things that go right and some of the things that go wrong in running a business like that. So here's my conversation with John Reedman. Yeah, so I'm John Redman. I'm the founder of a business called Ask Bosco, which is a marketing AI decision platform. And we've also got an in-housing digital marketing agency called Modo25. So we fundamentally exist to help people save money and make more money from their digital marketing so whether that be they use our service or they use um with our software or they just use our software on it on its own so we've got software and we've got a service and we help make people more money from their online marketing and give me a perspective of uh, firstly how old is the business how long how long has it been going so my background I've, I've grown and exited a couple of different agencies and different software businesses and we set, i set this business up with uh bonamy grimes the founder of skyscanner uh this time three years ago so september first september 2019 so pre-pandemic uh time so i don't know if there's going to be a sort of uh, a PP in people's established dates, or pre-pandemic, or or post-pandemic, because it's yeah. like um, running businesses now is uh, very very different. However, we, we we had a lot of great ideas. We had this big meeting of like, or oh, what are the best things about any company we've been at that we now want to do when we set up Modo Twenty Five and Ask Bosco. But we set up to answer your question in September two thousand nineteen. So, yeah, it's been an interesting few years. And, and look, you know, I, I was intrigued by some of the decisions you've made in terms of culture and in terms of how you set the company up. So, uh, firstly, you're in the office today and you've got some people behind you. So, so what's your 
What's your hybrid working philosophy? So right from the off, even before we'd even heard of uh, COVID or any of that, we, um, we had a flexible work policy. But what does that mean in terms of the average? How many, how many days are people in the office? In- when we set the business up in 2019, people in the office probably three days a week. And again, we work a four-day week, so they're in the office most right. of the time, three-quarters of the time. And now I'd say people in the office two days a week who live local, close enough in striking distance, uh, certainly on the sort of client-facing roles and the sort of agency side of the business, more of them come in, the developers and maybe more of the data guys prefer to stay at home. And, and we're quite comfortable with that. So the bit I wanted to get to was this four-day-a-week. Um, and firstly, I, I'd love to know what made you choose to do that. And, and you know, does it really stick? Is it Do, do people genuinely do four days? Yeah, so there's a, so I'll get, so there's a, a friend of mine called Johnny Toes, um, and he ran an agency, and he he was presenting at this event, um, and they they sort of went through the whole May bank holiday period, and in June they all sat down going, oh, wasn't it great when we used to get bank holidays? I wonder if we could do that every week, all right? And that was his initial inspiration, and going, I don't, and they were sort of, I don't think we got less done in those four days. We were just a bit more fo- focused because we knew we had the fifth day off, um, and I was sort of like, well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Um, and I, I do believe also we all spend a lot of time at work, so you've got to enjoy your work. And uh, it's it's not the days of well, I'm turning up to go work in the mill, and I'm just going to grind it out. And then I, the most exciting thing that's going to happen to me is going to the pub at five o'clock when the whistle goes. Um, you spend a lot of time at work, so you want to enjoy it. So right at the off, we said right, we're going to do a four day week, and we're going to pay a full time salary. Right, so we're not pro-rating people's salaries, and we're paying a competitive salary, and. As a general gist, you, we said to people they could choose the Wednesday or the Friday off because obviously we've got our clients don't all work a four-day week, so we need cover. So within the team, some right. weeks, some people have the Wednesday off, some people some people have the Friday off. Right. So, so we set that out from the offset. I made a bit of – and I, I acknowledge this was a bit of a mistake. I made a bit of a knee-jerk reaction when COVID hit. And yeah, we also focus on travel right at the beginning because my business partner and co-founder and investor was Skyscanners. We thought, oh, we'll go straight after travel, all right? So when the when the when the pandemic hit, we had ninety um, percent of our recurring agency mm. revenue was travel clients. So that was a, a car crash. We lost all our revenue overnight. Yeah, so we had to change very quickly, pivot what we're doing. Anyway, I also made the decision. Right. To give people the choice of a twenty percent pay cut to have the four day week, or you have to work full time, like five days a week during the COVID, right? And we, we, I think we furloughed two people. I was trying to avoid furloughing people. Anyway, actually, I wish I hadn't done that because yeah, we did save a little bit. Most people chose three or four people chose to take the twenty percent cut and work four days. Most people just said I'll work five days, and I genuinely think. If you've got the right people and the right approach to managing the whole four-day week, you, you can definitely achieve as much. So to be clear, so despite the cut during COVID, where people had to take a salary cut potentially, um, you now pay 100% salary for a four-day week. Yeah, well, it, I did that for two months and then realised it was the wrong thing and we just flipped it back around. Yeah, so everybody gets full-time salary, full benefits and full holiday entitlement. So they still get 23 days on top of the right. other 52 days. This all comes down to, like with most things, Bruce, it comes down to leadership and communication. Our four-day week is a benefit when you're achieving your objectives and you're hitting your targets. 
and you're doing what you're meant to be doing. If you get to the end of the day on a Thursday and you haven't done everything you were meant to have done on your day off is Friday, well, you need to make sure you either get it done or you might have to work a little bit of your Friday or you need to find a colleague who can cover for you because the contract with me and the deal is is we're going to get as much done as a normal business, but we'll just work slightly smarter, slightly faster, slightly more efficient and effectively, which then gives you that uh, opportunity to have the fifth day off. So it's like when you come up to a holiday, you always get more done in the week coming up to holiday. So we're really brutal with things like how long's a meeting? Do you actually need to be in that meeting? Uh, and, and, and thinking about your diary as this sacrosanct important time rather than oh yeah i'll come and sit in on that and just waste another 20 minutes or an hour because all those add up and actually you could cut a day out of your week easily achieve your client work and and have spare and how do you measure how do you measure that this that people are getting the same amount done i'm i'm intrigued but it seems like you know most people struggle to work out what their workers are doing what their teammates are doing anyway so how do you work out that they're doing the same so we look at outputs and we look at like, I, I suppose one easy framework for people uh, listening to this would be something like OKRs, right? So which came from, from Google and other big tech companies, but you can look at measurable outputs. In order for me to achieve these things for this client, I need to do this, 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 and this. And that's easy if you're in the service side of the business. And also we don't, as an agency, sell days, which really helps because if you start selling days and you've suddenly got 20% less days, that's really hard. We sell performance and we sell outputs to our clients. So then we can match all that back up. We use a lot of project management tools like Monday and Slack, and we have a lot of reporting and KPIs across the team and dashboards, so we're very visible on all of that. And then on the development side, I suppose everybody works in sprints. And again, we're looking at like delivering certain levels of functionality for the platform. Again, that's very measurable. And there is an expectation and understanding, and we have had to do this with people. We go, look, I'm really sorry you're not hitting your KPIs, you're not hitting your performance, your four-day week is almost suspended until we get... It's not okay to turn around to a client and say, Soz, you can't have that this week because I'm off if it's within what we're meant to be delivering for the client. You either need to deliver it or you need to plan your time better next week or you need to find a colleague who can cover it for you. Could you let me know how how frequently that happens? How many people have currently got their their four days suspended? Nobody currently, but we have done it. Okay. Many times, okay. no, not many times. We've done it in. I've had to pick up the phone when I've seen an email go to a client, say, "Oh, sorry, I'm off tomorrow. We'll do it Monday." And I've gone, right. "If you're the client, how do you feel? It's not their choice that we do a four day week." So the answer isn't, "I'll do it Monday. Right. I'll find right. someone to cover it and get it done today," or "I'll do it." Some of that is just about communication right. with the team and just constantly remind them. In fact, I was thinking about this over the weekend ahead of this call, thinking, "Actually, we've had a lot of new people start." who probably don't even, I've not stood up in front of the company for a while and said, this is why we do it and how we do it. And this is the big benefit for you. However, at the same time with that comes a huge amount of responsibility to take some ownership of your own time and be really disciplined. Can you give me a perspective of how you hire for culture and and the way that you give culture to the team? Because it, you know, uh, quite often people say to me, we hire for culture, but you've just said there that, you know, you've got a few things that you haven't updated to people. So I'm just intrigued. Is it like by osmosis? Do you have a clear plan? So hiring for culture and I suppose keeping the culture up to date, I can absolutely talk about. So 
I was very fortunate to work for a company in my second job after uni called QAS, it was an address management software, where you typed in a postcode and an address came back. And we used to win and get in the Times top 100 companies to work for for years. And they, when you got promoted, I got promoted to be a, a regional sales manager and then a, a, a sales manager in the direct sales side of the business. And we got taught how to hire heroes by the, by the chairman. It was like a big thing. And he had the final say-so on whoever got a job. And we were, we were gone grown from like, I don't know, 80 people to 250 people right in that period whilst I was there or maybe more. And he still interviewed everybody which sounds ridiculous, but that is, again, for me, nobody will join Moto25 without me having right. met them. And also we have a, a thing about a veto of they meet all the leadership team. If anybody's got a funny gut feel about it, they can veto the hiring decision, right? Because it's more about recruiting for attitude than recruiting for aptitude. And we have like these, there's like three little tests I always ask people to do is would you invite that person around to your family home for Sunday lunch? Right. And that sounds a little bit ridiculous, but we spend a lot of time working with people. And if you don't feel comfortable inviting them or introducing them to your family, well, they're probably not a decent person. So maybe we shouldn't give them a job. And the other one, which is more... Doesn't that just end up with sort of homogeneity where, you know, people who maybe are slightly different get excluded by that? Well, I suppose different in what way? I think, I suppose, it, hopefully everybody is broad-minded enough that it's um yeah well it's we're not hope we're not trying to recruit just a load of people like me that's definitely not what we're trying to do we do have we we've actually got more members of the women on the team than we have men right across the whole business uh in the board we've got uh of the of the full-time employed directors of the business three are uh like board directors are, are female it's more about do you find them interesting enough to want to spend time with them outside of work, would you look forward to that transatlantic business flight or would you be dreading spending six hours next to Johnny on the flight because he's really dull and boring and got nothing interesting to talk about or wouldn't ask any good questions, right? Uh, So for me, it's about people who've got that sort of energy and that goes across all different jobs, right? People who say you can't get energetic coders is absolute nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. I think people often stereotype certain job roles and they are harder to find, right? It's harder to find an energetic customer-facing PhD data scientist, but I found them and, I, and we've got them on our team. I, I think people often say, oh, well, salesperson needs to be like that. Well, absolutely, that's not true either. Or data scientist needs to be like that. And we also look at like personal background, personal drive. Why are they doing what they're doing? what who 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 do they hang out with like what sort of things are they interested in outside of work and because we're still only 35 people it's people are still bought into that and what i want to try and do is as we grow keep that level of buy into the journey rather than it's just a job how have these things affected um employee turnover so so you know number one do people report the four-day week making it the, it less appealing to leave or have you have you still seen the you know the great resignation impact that other firms have seen we've not had a great resignation so the name of the company the company's named after a ugandan orphan and our software is named after the gentleman who runs the orphanage so we have attracted and recruited some people based on just we're not just like a charity washing csr thing it's part of our core we've, we're raising tens and tens of thousands of pounds a year for this orphanage and taking kids off the street and that's helped us recruit some people because a lot of the super smart data people 
often end up working for banks or end up working for big conglomerates. And they're like, well, actually, I'd rather work from something that's got a bit more of a purpose. All right. So that's really helped with attraction. And to answer your question on retention, we haven't lost many people. We've lost a couple of people to one of our partners, actually, which was really frustrating, who offered exactly the same terms, four days a week, but they offered London money, but you can work from home in Yorkshire. So that that was a bit frustrating. I, I just mathematically couldn't match that. And, and also, if you want to go and be, for me, it's like, if you want to go and work in that big company with and be a number on a spreadsheet and be part of that organization yeah. and get some new skills, great. But the door's always open if you want to come back. So we haven't had a huge turnover of staff. I don't think I've got any statistically significant data yet. Uh, would be the case. And I suppose the challenge also is, Bruce, we've always done this. We don't know what it would have been like if we didn't do it. I know what it was like in previous businesses. And again, it makes it easier for us to engineer and manage because we've always done it. It was in from the outset. Whereas I think for a lot of businesses, it's very hard to retrospectively fit in. You can make this work if you want to make it work. And I do think as we've all got used to staying at home more and actually spending more time with our family and realising what is important and not important, that there's going to be some shift in this direction. There's this thing on the BBC last week, I don't know if you saw it, that was saying a lot of people who started the trial are going to continue it. Are you part of that trial? We're not, because we were already doing it. But also a lot of the people on that trial are doing it differently to us. They're reducing people's pay. Okay. A lot of the trial. Okay. There's a complete mix and there's a complete sort of smoke and mirrors around different things. Our whole thing is it's full-time salary and four days a week. And then we work with you as a leadership team to ensure that we still get the same output, which is hard. Yeah. Right, and it is that difficult conversation with somebody, which we've had to have is, well, you're not quite hitting the numbers. You're going to you're gonna lose your, four, your fifth day. Yeah. Uh, but then that's, that's better than putting someone on, I suppose, a performance management plan or threatening to sack them, isn't it? And if you were advising a, another firm who were looking at a four-day week, is there anything in particular you would advise them? I'd say it's about communicating why you're doing it. And also, I suppose, ensuring that you actually do work it so if if everybody in the business so myself included and abby if we're seen to be working all the time on the fifth day some people think well actually if i need to get on in this business i need to work my fifth day which is absolutely not the case on my fifth day i normally organize to go on a bike ride with one of my um clients so i'll do something fun or that'll be the day i'll go out for a networking lunch or something or i might just go out for lunch with my wife and not work at all but as a founder i often find that very hard it's very different but if all the managers are seen to be working then you it's just it's it's a four-day week for marketing it's not a four-day week for culture you've got to be committed to doing it for the right reasons and doing it properly and then live it not a let's do 30 percent and see what happens it's 100 percent or nothing thanks for sharing your advice yeah well, no, well thanks for having me thank you to the johns there's me uh, planting a flag for diversity two people called john in the same session and uh but you know i i do welcome the opportunity for anyone else to get in touch i'm intrigued with these things so if you think your organization is doing something different please do get in touch um and uh very willingly hear what you're doing if you're just doing the same as everyone else and you want someone to promote the fact that you've got a lovely culture best not a eh? Uh, thank you. And finally, just a, a real lovely shout out to anyone who's bought Fortitude and got in touch. And uh, I've I've been sort of overwhelmed, actually. The reason why the newsletter has become a touch slower and the podcast a touch slower is because I've been overwhelmed with the, the organisations that I've been invited to go and talk in. So uh, thank you for, for that interest. And if you have enjoyed it, 
and have had some lovely direct comments, then posting your review to Amazon is just about the best thing you could do for an independent author. So I'd be grateful for that support. Right. I've been Bruce Daisley. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate Everyone who's trying to make sense of how the world is, of work is changing right now and, and uh, I appreciate you listening as we try and work that out. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.